Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Record better audio anywhere with Motive Digital Microphones from Sure. Easy to use options like the MV88 plug directly into your phone or computer and include a free app. Create studio quality sound for podcasts, music, and videos. Visit sure.com to learn more.
Welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It's October 30th. It's the last show for October 2016. After tonight, we cannot go back to this date ever again. And we got a great show for everybody tonight. Greg May from Tyrant will be our guest. We haven't had Greg on the show in a couple of years. The band just had a, a concert last night. We'll talk to him about that and everything going on with the band over the last couple of years. And Troy Noor from the band Them will be calling in in about a half hour or so. Between now and then, we'll get on as much music as we can. Right there, Torch with Fire Razor. That comes off the EP. There's also a version of that on the band's first record. It came out about a year or so later on. And what a great band they were. Such a big fan of those guys. Well, tomorrow's Halloween for everybody. We did our Halloween holiday matinee on Thursday. Uh, I usually enjoy doing that show a lot, but I had so many appointments last week, and I kind of try to squeeze it in between two of them. I didn't get to put in a lot of, you know, the, the little blips and effects that I usually do and enjoy with that show. So I have to make it up during the Christmas one coming up in a couple of weeks. All right, let's get some more music on for everybody right now. How about Leather Angels with Under Your Spell? <laughs> Oh, 
at odds with Free Me, Leave Me. I've been trying to get those guys on the show for a long time. I just haven't been able to make it happen. I think because of the language, uh, they don't do live interviews. But I will keep trying, and hopefully one day we will make it happen. All right, let me see. Not much happening in the in the world of metal this week. I saw that out in New Jersey, uh, not far from me. They had that Chilla Expo this week. It's like that horror uh, exposition. But there's also a lot of rock stars that were there this weekend. Uh, I know Joel and Turner was there. Uh, Frankie Benali was there. Uh, Meatloaf, if you want to call him a rock star these days. After him passing out on stage and the music kept on playing like a Millie Vanilli type thing with him lip syncing it, I lost all respect for that guy and his band, no less. But uh, the role there now is looking at some pictures over there. I mean, they're charging like $25 to take a picture with like these B-list celebrities who really haven't done much since the 80s, these washed-up wrestlers and these rock stars, if you want to call them that. I mean, Frankie Benali was there, Rudy Sarzo, like I said, you know, uh, 25 for an autograph, 25 for a picture, like 40 if you want to get like, a combination of it. I mean, I, I mean, as far as the bands go, I mean, if you went to go see any of them at some small club, which they usually play at, like almost every other night, you could just meet the band standing around in the bar area and get a picture and autograph for free. I mean, I can't see going there and spending 40 or $50 to get a picture and an autograph of Rudy Sarzo. I mean, I think Rudy's a great guy. He's been on the show many times. I'm not just singling him out, but it just seems insane to me to spend that kind of money. And, you know, I get I get it with some, like, you know, the, the washed-up actors and everything. This is the only way they have of generating some income, some revenue. And if you want to go there and get a picture, you know, with uh, somebody from summer school from 1985, those two guys in summer school there, charging $40 for a picture. I mean, go right ahead, but... I don't get it with the rock stars. I feel no rock stars is charging for an autograph ever. I don't care what level you're at. You shouldn't be doing that. That's just how I feel on that, that subject. It pisses me off when I see any musician charging money, and especially with the meet and greets at shows. I mean, I know they're trying to generate revenue. I know they're trying to make income. There's no sales damn records anymore, but it just kind of pisses me off when bands charge fans, you know, to take a picture with them or, or to sign a piece of paper or an album or a CD or something. I just don't get it. All right. Here's a band that would never do that. The Rods, too hot to stop.
All right, Sanctuary with Termination Force. I don't know what's going on with those guys. I mean, they've been playing out there here and there. I don't know if there's any new music on the way or not. Uh, I have to check with them and find out. But uh, they were a good band back in the day. After that one record, they kind of faded away until they reemerged as a different band. But now they're back at Sanctuary. All right, in about 10 minutes or so, uh, Troy Noir will be calling in from the band Them. We'll talk to him about what's going on with those guys. They just have a new record that they released just recently. I think uh, back in September, I want to say, called Sweet Hollow. I will check in with those guys in a little bit. Uh, nothing like I said, not really much going on news-wise. There's a couple of cool shows coming up here in the New York area at the beginning of the year, and the one I'm looking forward to the most will be the Attacker record release party. The album is going to come out, I believe, Mike said in November. So uh, next month, uh, really it's towards the end of November, so we've got a whole month to go, but the new Attacker album will be out. There's going to be a great party at Dingbats in New Jersey. I believe Mike said the 17th of January. And uh, Vatican is supposed to be on the bill with a few other bands that haven't been announced yet. So I'm looking forward to catching up the guys live. I haven't seen them. Actually, I saw Mike a couple of weeks ago at the Ruthless Show, but I haven't seen the rest of the band in forever. So it would be great to catch up with them and uh, meet up with some new friends all over there. So if you're in the area... Come and check it out. I know the Rage of Armageddon Festival was postponed until April. There will be, I hear, another Defenders of Old Festival coming up, I guess, sometime uh, towards the end of uh, the winter of 2017 or going into the spring. Uh, not much has been announced on that yet. I think they're just trying to put the lineup together. Uh, the festival didn't take place this year because, like, Key Wang was, uh, the promoter was kind of missing in action. But he's back now. And hopefully he'll throw together a great festival with a bunch of classic underground bands you know, that he'll get to reunite for this one-time affair. So we'll see what happens. All right. How about we do some – let me see. What can we dig up here for everybody right now? And uh, we'll save that for later. We'll save that for later. How about some angel dust? Fighters return. <laughs> Yeah, you don't know. 
The Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. Live on Sunday starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. Happy
That was down the road to misery off the sweet hollow record by them. We have Troy on the line right now. Let's connect them and let's get this interview going. Troy, you there? I'm here. Hey, how are you, buddy? How you doing today? How's, how's it going, Mike? What's going on? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing all right. I just went over to the Chillis Theater in New Jersey and uh, dressed as K.K. Foster from them. And people love it. Charge of, I hope you weren't charging photographs. I was just ranting about that earlier. No, not at all. <laughs> okay, good. You're a good man. <laughs> good man. Yeah, I would never all do right. that. That's uh, that's not me. I know. Well, you're old school. People forget, you know, you come back from the 80s with Cold Steel and everything, and now them. And I remember it was a, a King Diamond, uh, Mercy cover band. You kind of reversed yep. this whole thing and made it into an all original act. I mean, how did? I mean, what made you want to go original with that and not like start from scratch again? Well, the thing is, back when we were doing the King Diamond tribute, we were only going to do we were only going to do like three shows. And um, after the third show, so many people really enjoyed it. And King at the time wasn't playing; he he wasn't feeling well. Uh, he had uh, herniated discs at the time. We decided to continue. Well, we wound up playing over twenty shows in about three and a half, close to four years. But in that during that time frame, um, you have to understand three fifths of the original King Diamond tribute band that we had at the time were, were actually co- members from the last lineup of Cold Steel. Yeah. So I knew that we could actually write, we can, you know, we could write music, but I mentioned it about a year into us doing the King Diamond tribute. Let's do something, you know, like an offshoot of this, not trying, you know, not copying King, but maybe, maybe making a little bit heavier, but, you know, create like a whole conceptual idea and story. And, um, Nobody was really interested at first, and then it took about another year. Near the end of the King Diamond Tribute run, we decided uh, to actually write material. And they were, you know, they were writing material. They were writing bits and pieces. And but then Cold Steel, uh, we we resurrected Cold Steel, so we put that on hold. And considering that most of the members were the same, it didn't matter. Uh, but then when we got back to it, they they really didn't want to continue. Uh, you know, just for reasons I really don't want to disclose, but yeah. um, they, they, they didn't want to continue. So I, I explained to them that I was going to continue. And I met Marcus uh, Ulrich uh, from Landfear. He was actually performing the, uh, the Prog Metal Fest in Atlanta one year, back in, I think it was 2012. And I, was meet, I met him at a, a business, uh, it was kind of like a business dinner with this one smaller uh, record company owner uh, named, his name is Andy Pressing uh, from Germany. And, and they were all there together and they were in New York and they invited me over for dinner. And I was actually showing Andy from the record company, Battlecry Records, that was his label. Uh, he actually released one of Cold Steel's um, uh, records um, that we did back in the day. He re-released it. So I was showing him, I was actually pitching him the new Cold Steel EP at the time called America Idol. And I had an iPad and I'm, you know, I'm actually browsing, you know, like I'm flicking past all different pictures of Cold Steel and artwork. And I kind of showed him some of the stuff, concept ideas I had for them, an original version of them. And he said, wait, stop, go back to that. You have to get this out as soon as possible. And I was like, really? He says, trust me people will really like it. If the music is half decent, they will really like it. And from there, Marcus Ulrich, uh, who is a guitar player, he's also a songwriter, uh, he, we became friends, 
And when he found out that the members of the King Diamond Tribute Band didn't want to continue with me in an original f- fashion, he said, hey, Troy, let's, let's do the record. And we did. And then we built the band around it. That's, That's amazing. Story. Yeah. I mean, you know, Lance, I'm out of Germany, if I remember right. And, you know, you got Mike in the band, Mike Lapon from, you know, Symphony X. Uh, Mike is in like 9,743 other bands also. I mean, there's not a band that guy doesn't play in. I know. My, my, they call him a mercenary. He's a great guy. He is the nicest guy. Yep. He's not only the nicest guy, he's one of the best musicians that I've ever, I've ever had, um, you know, the opportunity to play with. I mean, this guy, True. he came in. When we when we did the sessions um, for Sweet Hollow, he came in and he recorded everything in two settings, which was about wow. four hours each, eight hours. He did the whole record, and most songs he did in one take. Now you know a lot of the time that's spent in the studio is you know getting the right sound. Yep. Um, you know, getting the right sound. That's the biggest thing with a lot of different instruments that you record, and bass. You know, it's not, I mean, it's not the same thing as like getting drum sounds, but nonetheless, it took a little bit of time. And then, of course, you know, sitting down and playing some of these songs, they're not, not some of them are not really easy. Let's just put it that way. And musically, so, but Mike was, we, was breezing right through them, breezing. And, and it's, it's so funny because I was sitting in the room when Mike was actually recording and the engineer, his name is uh, Tarek Falangi, and he was sitting there. And as soon as the song finished, he'd stop it. He wouldn't even turn his back because we were sitting behind him, and the amps were in, you know, in a secluded room. And he would just say, "Wow," <laughs> you know, after Mike's performances. And he, and when he was finished, when Lapan was finished, uh, Tarek um, shook his hand and said, "Mike, it was such a, pl- it was such a pleasure listening to you." And, you know, you don't get a, you don't get a treat like that every day. <laughs> I know it's amazing because you know sometimes you're growing up, you play with a lot of your friends or people you know, and you know everybody's at a different talent level, and there's a lot of work that goes into sometimes getting a song right. Then a guy like that comes in, you're like, shit, <laughs> what a difference! Like it's like night and day. Yeah, and the same thing with um, well, it's pretty much with all these guys that were part of this project. It was just such a pleasure to work with everybody. It was it was just um, working like in a different stratosphere. I mean, the drummer. Kevin Talley, he he's in, uh, he was in suffocation, and uh, at the time, a lot of people don't know this, but suffocation were rehearsing in my house. They were actually rehearsing in my basement. Um, they're not too far. Some of the members don't live too far from me, since we're all we're all on Long Island in Suffolk County, and um, they were rehearsing in my basement. And Kevin, he lives in Texas, so you know he'd fly over, stay with me, we'd hang out, bullshit, you know, have some you know some drinks and you know and some cook some food and and he was intrigued by um what we were rec- what Marcus Ulrich and I were um you know recording and and writing we were actually in the writing process at the time and when we got when we got close to actually finishing writing the record he said to me do you have you know do you have a drummer i never once asked him you know he's busy he does his own thing he do, he's in a lot of different projects as well and he he asked me he said do you have a do you have a drummer? And I said, no, not at the moment. Why you're interested? He said, yeah. He said it was sounds great. I'm interested. Let's do it. So and he did it. And he and actually we did a tour with Halloween this past. Um, it was end of February, beginning of March. We performed uh, uh, some dates in USA and Canada. 
it was a short run, but it was their USA and Ca- Canadian tour of yeah. Halloween. And uh, we, you know, we we toured with them, and it was originally Lapond and both Lapond and uh, Kevin were going to do it because you know a lot of the times these tours they can be they can be booked anywhere from six to eight months in advance. Sure. So so now we were all everybody was on board. Everybody was on board. Lapond, Tally, and all of a sudden, Lapond says, I, "I'm touring with Symphony X," and that's his main, you know, that's his bread and butter. We all understand. Sure. We love him, and we, you know, we we understand that that's, you know, he does this full time. This is his, you know, job, and he, that's how he makes his, you know, earns his money. And so he had to do what he had to do. But Kevin, he didn't find out he had a. He also too had a tour with Suffocation. It was like two months before. And that, that was like, oh, I can't believe, you know, now what are we going to do? So we actually, we actually have, um, we have another drummer that did the tour with us. His name is uh, Angel, or Angel, Angel Cote, and he actually is currently playing with Demolition Hammer. Demolition Hammer came back yeah, and started no. to do a bunch of different to- uh, shows and, and festivals. And, uh, yeah, so he's playing with them regularly. Um, but if, you know, if Kevin can't make it, we'll, we'll get Angel. You know, so, um, you know, Angel, we had a great time. We clicked. We, you know, he's a great drummer, too. Awesome. So, you know, we, we can't go wrong. Either either guy, you know, they're great. But Kevin is a great drummer, great guy, great person as well. And it was a pleasure working with him as well on the, um, you know, on the album. It's incredible. Incredible experience. Um, and uh, so that's basically that. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I guess it's important, like, when you have members that are from different places, kind of have backup in place when you need them at least you know you want to do a lot of local gigs and you can't because other guys are out on tour exactly i mean see this type of band though we really can't do local gigs and uh, only because we're from all different parts of the usa and overseas (laughs) you know we have myself i'm in new york i'm on long island in new york then you have lapon he's in new jersey um kevin talley he's in uh, san antonio texas and the other guitar player, Marcus Johansson, he's in um, Chicago, okay? And the uh, Marcus Ulrich, he's the other guitar player he, and also songwriter. He wrote uh, the, the record, the entire record with me, which I mentioned. But him and the keyboardist, Richie Zeibel, they're both in Germany. Yeah. So, you know, and, definitely, and, and definitely Richie, the, key, the, the keyboardist, Richie, he came as a recommendation from Marcus because he also plays with him in a band called Landfear, which is a prog metal band uh, that's based out of Germany, and they're pretty popular over there. But um, Richie, he added a, a layer of an atmosphere, atmospheric layer that we could not have received by just anybody. He wasn't interested in, in coming into the group and saying, oh, I'm going to play keyboard solos all over the place. He added what was needed, and it was, it's perfect. Perfect marriage, um, and me coming from a you know a thrash metal background, I wasn't really too excited initially to play with key, with the keyboards. I mean, I, I'm not I'm, I'm not close minded, but I like heavy music. I love performing heavy music. I love listening to heavy music, and and a lot of the times, keyboards doesn't does, they, it doesn't really work for me in heavy music, but in this particular style of what we're doing, it works. It's not overdone. But it's it works. 
And that's the most important thing. I couldn't agree anymore. Like you said, it lends an atmosphere to all the songs. That, and it's just enough. It's not overdone. It's not underdone. It's just right where it should be. And that's a hard combination, especially for, you know, keyboard players. They want to, like, you know, shine. <laughs> you know, so of course right, they do. Yeah, it's right where it's supposed to be. But, you know, Troy, you get back to, like, when you decided to go original with the band now. I mean, I mean, you did King Diamond, I mean, to a T. I mean, sometimes I thought you did King Diamond better than King Diamond. I mean, and I'm talking a <laughs> Thank you. So when it comes now to writing original music, you kind of want to keep that element of what you were doing, I guess, with the tribute band, but you're original now. So was it like a fine line you had to walk where you said, you know, I can't really go too King diamond with certain things because I don't want it to be related to that, but I want it to be in the spirit of King Diamond? Yes, so exactly. Now, if you think about it, if we were a King Diamond clone, every single song that we would record, I would sing exactly like him, soup to nuts in every song. I don't do that. I use a number of different voices. I believe it is about seven or eight voices that I that I use. Two of them are that two of them are similar to what he uses. Okay? So that's where you would get the, the, the King Diamond ish influence from. And there is there is an influence from King Diamond. We we did this because we were doing a King Diamond tribute. So I'm not gonna say, oh, you know, I'm not influenced. Of course I'm influenced. I love King Diamond. I'm a big fan of King Diamond. I would never do anything to disrespect him. However, you are right. You have to walk a fine line. And even though some people and some early critics said, uh, you know, some of them, not all, but a lot of people love it. They're really supportive of it. They understand we're not trying to be disrespect, uh, disrespecting King Diamond in any way. Um, we're just trying to do an offshoot, a different path. That's it. You know, um, but I'm not singing like him all the time. I'll sing a little bit gruff and heavier at some points. I'll even sing with a clean voice, which sounds nothing like King Diamond. It's me. It's me. It's Troy, you know. So um, it's very important. The look, the sound, and the the path that we're traveling has to to go away from that. But there'll still be the influence from there. There'll There'll always be some influence. It's not like... If we do another record, it's going to sound completely different. It's not. It's going to be in line to what we've done. In fact, yeah. we were already talking about another record, um, and it's it's probably going to be heavier. <laughs> but in the similar, but still the the same core, um, the same core structure will be similar, very yeah. similar. So. Well, the album has a running theme. It has a concept to it. It's a whole story, you know, going from start to finish. Does that make it more difficult when you're trying to write, or do you have everything already written ahead of time, and now you're kind of putting it to the music? Well, that is, I think, for any type of heavy metal, hard rock, heavy metal, writing a concept story is much more complex. This is actually the first concept story that I've ever written, Um I mean, yes, in the past when I've written music with Cold Steel, recorded and released music, there was a theme of, for the record, but each song had its own, um, you know, own history, its own story, and none of the songs ever connected. So each song was a story. But now you have a concept record where each song is a chapter of the story. And what happens, what, you know, how do you plan on you know, is this a self-contained story? Is it going to, you know, carry over into maybe two or three records like a trilogy? Is this really even bigger than a trilogy? Is this something that, you know, will cycle back to the first first record at one point? 
So there's a lot of different things you have to think about even before you even pen up a, a, an idea. I mean, I had this idea for Sweet Hollow back in, wow, what was it, 2011. And, and how I got the idea, um, we had, as a, back then we were just King Diamond, uh, the, the them, the King Diamond tribute band. And at that point, it was near the end of our run, and we had Hal Patino from King Diamond play a few shows with us. Well, he was in King Diamond at the time. Yeah. And while he was with us, we had, so we had a little bit of time off. And one thing he wanted to do was see the Amityville Horror House on Long Island. And I explained to him that, you know, the, 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 the windows, they changed the windows. The owners of the house changed the windows. Now it looks like any other, any other house in the area. My recommendation, let's go to Sweet Hollow. Ah, Sweet Hollow does exist. It's a cemetery on Long Island. However, its real name is, is called Melville Cemetery. It's in Melville, Long Island, and it resides on Sweet Hollow Road. So there is a real road. Locals call it Sweet Hollow, Sweet Hollow Cemetery. So we went there, and they went into the cemetery, and we took pictures and video and had some fun and laughs. And, you know, you see orbs in the pictures and orbs in the video, and every video and every picture that we took while we were there. And as we're driving back, I said, you know what? That would be a great title for a record. Sweet Hollow had the title. So the actual concept story is three different stories, but there's some fact, there's some a Long Island folklore, and the rest is all fiction, all mixed in, and that's what Sweet Hollow is. So I just figured I'd tell you that too. Cool. Like you say, maybe a trilogy out of this and continue with it. Now, is that something that you have to think out way in advance before you even start writing this record, saying, you know what, I could continue the story for another two or three albums, or do you just kind of wing it with the next one and say, let me kind of pick up where I left off and create something new? Well, you could do it either way, but in this particular case, I didn't, I didn't do either. I focused on this particular story. I didn't want it to be a trilogy. I didn't want it to continue. Well, what I can say is that this particular story, I took a whiteboard, okay, and I put a whiteboard, this huge whiteboard, and I wrote down, I mapped everything. We, we mapped everything out before a single lyric was written, before a single um, story idea was written. Um, Marcus Ulrich and I, we mapped out how did we want the mood to flow, and that's another thing. Music relays mood, and you have to just determine, do you want every single song fast? There's no mood. It's fast. Everything, you know, it's, it's, one, it's one mood. But a story like this has to be dynamic in mood. It has to, you know, maybe have like a really, you know, a, a, a aggressive opening, and then it dies down, and then it builds up again to a climatic ending. That's how the mood, you know, meshes with the lyrics, the vocals. It's very important. So that was the very first thing we did. But then I had the, the whiteboard, and I was writing down, Song one, you know, we knew we knew we knew we needed certain amount of songs. We knew we wanted an intro. We wanted two intermezzos. There's two intermezzos on the record. Some people think that they're actual songs, but they're not. They're intermezzos, and it's just it's a it's a it's a piece that separates one chapter of the story to the next. One of the intermezzos is called the Quiet Room. It's a little little over a minute long, but and it has and usually intermezzo is defined as just a musical piece with no vocals but this one i wanted vocals on and it, therefore it has it has vocals on it but you know when you when we're mapping all the songs out 
we after that we I wrote down song one, two, three, four, five, etc. What are, what's ha- what's the mood here, you know? And that had to interface with what was the mapping. So as the music was written, let's just say the first song was written. Okay, we look on the map. That's song five. The next song's written. Oh, that's song nine. And we mapped them all up like that. So we, our song titles in the very beginning was Them Zero One. Them, all the way up to Them Zero, Them Twelve. So there's yeah. 12 tracks in the record. So we had a map where it was just music, and it was literally Them Zero One through Them Twelve. And you just start filling in the blanks. Then I started, I developed the story. Um, and as the story, some of the, the story, I tweaked it a little bit here and there as I was writing the lyrics. Would you believe it or not, the last thing that I did was write the lyrics from start to finish sequentially. Wow. So I had a story written, okay, a summarized story I had, almost like cliff notes. And then from start to finish, meaning the first track to the 12th, wherever there's vocals, I started the first, and sequentially I continued until I finished. It took me probably, I think, about two or three weeks to write all the lyrics. And that's how, that's how I did it. I've never done anything like that before in that fashion. Like, I would write a song, I'd write vocal patterns, and then I'd write lyrics, and then you have a song. Maybe add a title at the end, maybe add, maybe add the title before you even write anything, like that. But now, this is the first time I did it in this fashion. That sounds impressive when you say it like that. So there's <laughs> an awful lot of work that went into that. There's a lot of You know what? When we're doing the second record, because we're talking about it, and we have such a great response from this record so far that we really want to do another one, we're going to use the same formula. The same formula, but obviously it's going to be a different story. You ever see the show um, American Horror Story? Absolutely. Or know about it? Yep. Okay. So you know how each season is a self-contained story. Think yep. if we came out with multiple albums, it would be self-contained stories. However, the only difference between American Horror Story and them would be my character, K.K. Foster. He would be in those stories. Different characters, different areas, different time periods even, potentially speaking, I should say. Yeah. But that would be – it would be like almost like a structure like that where it would be different stories – one character, tortured by the loss of his family, haunted by the demonic, the, the demons that he, that he encounters, but he goes in different places and in different time periods. Like I said, could be. <laughs> hey, I like it. It sounds like you have this whole thing thought out and there's a lot going on. And I mean, this album just came out now. You're already working on the next one. And I know, like you're saying, playing local is almost impossible because of you know, the demographics of the band. So do you kind of try to look the hook up on short tours or even longer tours if that's possible? Yes, actually, we can't really get together unless we have a tour. So right now, um, we we actually uh, we, we actually booked a tour, and it's not it's not officially announced yet, and it's not going to be announced probably until the end of November. But we're we're actually going to Europe, and we're performing in numerous countries in Europe uh, from May. 12th, May 28th, might be a day early, might be one or two days later, but that's the time we're going. That's our first tour in Europe. And there's also talks about us playing a few festivals the, um, the end of the, um, 
or I should say the fall of that year as well. Oh, that's so, great. Yes, we, we're, going, we're headlining, so it's going to be a smaller, smaller venues, but we need to get out. We need to get over there. Um, there's a lot going on over there for us, and um, that's where we're going next. But if we have opportunities, see, shows come in the form of opportunities, or I should say even tours. And if there's an opportunity presented, we have to decide if, whether or not we want to do it. Can we do it? You know, I mean, we all have to work, so, you know, can we get off from work? There's a lot of different factors involved. But given the opportunity, we will definitely consider it because we're trying to get our, you know, get our name out, get the music out, and people enjoy the live show. The live show is just completely, it's just people love it. They love it. I can imagine. I, I, I've seen the makeup work you do and the costumes you come up with. I, I can imagine the live show must be incredible. And uh, I'm hoping that you do get to do a few more shows here, you know, in our area. It would be great to see you guys live. Uh, what's going on with Cold Steel these days? Anything happening? I mean, American Idol came out a few years ago. It was so good to hear, you know, music by the band again. Yes. Well, the thing is, um, the Cold Steel, that's a whole other story. <laughs> But right now, it seems like they're, I mean, we're talking about possibly doing another record. So it's possible. So, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm so busy with this right now, but if that yeah. happens, I'll, I'll write it. I'll work with them. I'll write it, and we'll, you know, we'll record it. And, but if that happens, I told them it has to be much heavier, and it has to be more in lines to, like, a Bay, Bay Area sound, because that's really where I always saw the band going back in, you know, many years ago, we were very New York sound. Um, I wanted to be a little bit more like Bay Area sounding. That's where my heart lies. <laughs> hey, that's all. I mean, I remember getting that Dead by Dawn demo back in the late '80s, and uh, you know, I've been a fan of the band since then. So, hey, if that's the direction you want to go, more power to you. But I'm really excited about them and what you're doing with that band right now. But try, I have to let you go because I got Greg May coming on from Tyrant in a few minutes. But where's sure. the best place for people to, you know, keep up with the band, find out what's going on, and more importantly, buy the record. Don't download it for free. Buy the record. Well, you could buy the record. Uh, the easiest place is, is on our Bandcamp page. Uh, we, we, if you buy from the band, we could actually, you know, we usually give like a few little extra free gifts too with it. Uh, all of our, all the fans that bought our music, they're very, very uh, appreciative of our generosity. So that would be at uh, them666.com. Right. And, or you can go on the, our official Facebook, facebook.com forward slash them band official. You see links to all of our different videos, our lyric videos, and also there's a link to our, um, our merchandise from there as well, including wow. Sweet Hollow. You could also get Sweet Hollow on iTunes, Amazon, you know, any, any uh, repository. You can get it through Spotify, Rhaps Rhapsody. Any online um, form as well, any digital form. That's excellent, man. Hey, we try the best of luck with the band. Uh, I have you back on here again. The new record comes out. We'll do this all over again. I, I need to have you on just for the whole show because we, you know, when you're from New York, you could talk for hours and it goes by like in minutes, you know. So I know, I know. <laughs> we had another guest <laughs> on, but we'll do this again real soon, man. Sounds good, Mike. You, t you take care. Thanks a lot for having me on. I appreciate I, it. Anytime, Troy. You got to take care, buddy. Take care. Later. Thank you. All right, Mr. Troy North, them and Cole Steele. Let's get on Dead of Night off the record, Sweet Hollow.
an excited rising of the dead. And before that, them, dead of night. Excited, we'll be in the studio next year working on a new record. Hopefully, we'll get it by mid-year. Uh, I tell you, we saw them two years ago live at the Defenders of All Festival in Brooklyn, and they were just amazing. They sounded exactly like they did in the 80s, if not better. And that's not easy to do. <laughs> be a little bit older. What a great band they are. Such a big fan. All right, well, Greg Mave Tyrant will be calling in in about five minutes. So uh, I wanted to get on some brand new Tigers of Pantang, uh, but we'll save that maybe for after the interview uh, because we've got a few minutes before Greg does call in. And I want to get on a song by Tyrant. So how about we do some Warriors of Metal? By the time that's over, Greg should be on the line.
Man, is that a great song or what? Warriors of Metal, that comes off the first Tyrant record from back in the day, Legions of the Dead. Greg will be calling in any minute. We're talking about everything going on with the band and what's happening. Uh, John was asking about October 31st. It was the Battle of Armageddon. That was the song. Yeah, it's funny. You talk uh, to the chat room online, but you don't get a response back right away. So you don't think anybody's listening to you or hears you, but that was the song. All right, while we wait for uh, Greg to call in, uh, Fast Eddie Clark was in Blabmouth today talking about how he thought he would have died like being a part of Motorhead. Uh, but, you know, I don't remember the whole story, but I know it was that big issue that went down when Lemmy was working with uh, Wendy O. Williams and they were recording girls' school at that time. And I, mean, I think I actually Fast Eddie was a producer. And he wasn't happy about all that. I guess he, you know, threatened to quit. They called his bluff. He left, and all these years later, he really hasn't done much. I mean, he did Fastway, some great stuff, but he kind of left that behind, too, for a long time. But he's got Fastway back together again right now. It's not the same without the original singer, in my opinion. Uh, I think they got the guy Toby. I forget his name. Uh, I don't remember his name. Toby something. He's singing with them. And he's not a bad singer, but it, it just doesn't have that same vibe as the original mo- as the original Fastway did. You know, I tell you what, get Pete Way back in there and make it like the real original Fast Way. <laughs> Let's go back out on the road and do that because Pete is definitely available these days. All right, so we're still waiting for Greg. We'll give him a few more minutes. Uh, maybe we'll get on the new Tigers of Pantang while we wait. Uh, I hate to play it and then stop it because uh, he calls in, but. Let's see what we can do here. How about, uh, let me put something a little quicker. Let's do Lizzie Borden with Red Rum.
right, Lizzie Borman with Red Rum. Greg is on the line right now. Let's connect them. Let's get this interview going. Greg, what's going on, my friend? Oh, uh, man, just coming back to life after last night, man. It was crazy out here. Uh, as you probably know, uh, we did a show last night uh, getting ready for the two, uh, you know, big festivals next year. <clears throat> yeah. So we dusted off and come out and play, and it was uh, Tyrant and a couple uh, old label mates, Thrust and Hellstar. Uh, just everybody burnt the place to the ground last night. It was badass. Well, that's good to know. It's good to know you're still burning yeah. places down after all these years. Oh, yeah. You know, these old guys, we still either going to be dead or doing what we're doing. So we're still doing Absolutely. what we're doing. Well, you know what? <laughs> I say I'm glad that, you know, I got to see you guys live, you know, in New York a few years back. To me, that was like such a big thing because I never thought you guys would make it here to the East Coast. And it was just an amazing show that yeah. night. And it was so good to see you guys, you know? Yeah, it was great to see you, too. In fact, uh, you know, for us, it was almost like um, more important than anything was to get to ground zero. Uh, being in L.A. and uh, seeing that video of the planes hitting the buildings, I mean, and I hadn't been to New York. My wife had. She has a big picture of her standing in front of the Twin Towers. And uh, when that all went down, that was one of the heaviest days probably in uh, everybody's lives out here in L.A., not being there in New York with you guys. Yeah. And something was going down, and we couldn't be there to, like, protect or be part of it. We just kind of felt like our hands were tied here in L.A. and, like, what the hell? But uh, I'll never forget you pulling up in that tiny car, man. <laughs> and all, all four of the time. <laughs> it was like you had, and you had wheels on you or something. <laughs> You just jumped on your back, and you got all four of us, man, to to ground zero. And, dude, that was, yeah. And, and yeah. a plan for everybody, of course. That was badass. But getting us right to ground zero that night before we went on stage. And I remember talking to one of the hot dog vendors there, and he was saying that he was there that day. He's like, well, hell yeah, it was here. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. In my corner that for was 50 amazing. years. <laughs> That's right. They like that, the territory, but... I, yeah, it was like and a clown like that I get you guys in and out, but it was, I'm glad that I got you there and back in time for the oh. show. <laughs> that was that everything. Was Once cool. we were hearing to go to New York, yeah, yeah, it was, it was awesome to play for these people. It was hilarious, the New York people, we love them, love them to death. We actually went on vacation there uh, a year or two ago and spent like a week and a half right in Manhattan and did it all up, seeing everything for the first time as a family. That was, that was so killer. But it was oh, cool that the New York guys are like they were saying, like, what the hell took you guys so long? Yep. Everybody thinks it's so easy, <laughs> but it's not as easy as it Talk sounds. Metal blade. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Talk to Metal, Metal Blade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to blame them. Well, you know, speaking There's of no Metal money. Blade. There's no money. You know, look, speaking of yeah. Metal Blade, uh, uh, Kingsley King Fowley, who you played with that day, his band just covered oh, yeah. the Battle of Armageddon on a, on a cover album of Metal Blade. Yeah, do you got it over I, there? I'm dying. I, I, don't ha- I, have, I have the digital. I don't have... Uh, I don't have the what do you call it? I don't have the the physical copy of. I have the digital of it. I can send you a copy. Oh, okay. that well, if you want. could play it, that'd be awesome to hear. I mean, I'd like to hear some Tyrant too, of course. But but King, you know, King has always been such a great friend to our band. I mean, I I've got snail mail in my garage from him from yeah. back in like in the '80s <laughs> when he actually sent us letters. Oh, you guys, you guys a class act, man. The guy knows real metal, and uh, we're a big fan of his too. Uh, his voice, he's got just a voice from hell. So. Yeah, it's yeah, been kind absolutely. of a marriage made in hell, West Coast, East Coast. That's right. You know, that's right. Great, great guy, great guy. But yeah, he did. He did kind of. He private messaged me that he was covering Battle of Armageddon. I was like, oh, I couldn't wait to hear it. And then I clicked on the thing and it wouldn't open. You know, this BS stuff. You know, this yeah, you know, technology know. crap. 
<laughs> uh, I'll get you comment. We'll get it. I we'll, can play just it imagine. we'll play. We'll play. We'll play. Don't worry about that. But uh, you know, so as far as new music goes, I mean, it's been a very, yeah. very, very, very long time since Tyrants had a record out. I think yeah, uh, ninety six or ninety seven came out. The King of Kings. Yep. Yep. Same age as my kid. On? I got back from Germany. Wow. Um, but yeah, we've got three new tracks right now. Well, we can tell we're workaholics. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we didn't don't have the le- the lyrics uh, written down. To- what we're doing is we've got all our own recording gear now in our own studio. Tyrant okay. Studios, Tyrant Recording Gear, Tyrants behind twisting the knobs. You know. You you don't you don't need to have all these other people who can twist a knob from one to ten. I mean we know how to do that too, right? So yeah. We've been in these recording studios a lot. We got really trained up with Bill. You know, three albums with Bill Montoyer. He's like one of the greats. So we saw you know what he does. Uh, we were in Cherokee Studios actually with some people that um, before Legions of the Dead we were trying to finance that ourselves. We're always trying to do things ourselves. I mean Tyrant's not just the name of the band. It's kind of how we roll. And uh, last night was another good example of that. <laughs> kind of went in and took over the place. But, uh, you know, we always try to do everything ourselves. So right now we're it's kind of like the inmates running the asylum. <laughs> but we're like our – we're yeah, totally. But, I mean, we're like our biggest critics. I mean, I've already – I had – like in 2011, I'd already laid down 10 new songs with a drummer who's still with us, thank God, uh, Ronnie Wallace. Um, I laid down the bass and the guitar for it because Rocky – Geographically, it's kind of rough to get him out here all the time. He lives about two hours away from us. He lives out in the middle of the desert. Yeah. But the guy's a total guitar guru, and he's running Guitar Center. You guys probably have a Guitar Center there too on the East Coast, but yeah, we have. Him, he's, yeah. he's running one. Yeah, he's running one in the middle of the desert. Um, the guitar repairs and customizing thing. He's just like the guru there. It's badass. It's great for him. But he's like a couple hours. It's like four hours round trip for him to come out. So I play a little guitar, you know, kind of like Rudolf Schenker kind of stuff. KK kind of just bound, banging on the rhythms. I did it. I had, was able to play good enough to do a little demo. So I already had like ten songs done. But then once I got that to Glenn, you know, the timing was off. You know, uh, he couldn't do the lyrics to it. And then uh, Rocky's like, oh, you know, let me redo this stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah. So so right now we've redone three uh, songs right now. Um, if there were lyrics to it, I'd already have it to you. But I gotta say, it's like some of the heaviest stuff we've ever done. We were playing some of it for people last night. That's gonna sound great. I mean, do you think maybe next year it'd be the year we might get get an album? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know. But like I say, we we do stuff, and then what's crazy about having your own recording uh, situation? You come back the next week to do more songs, and you hear this. Oh, I could do that better. You know, I could go back and do that better again, you know, so you end up doing yeah. the same damn three songs over and over again for about three weeks. But, you know, but no, we're dying to get some stuff out. Actually, we want to get them out, get 10 songs out here before the two festivals next year. Um, we're playing at uh, Spring Bash, NYDM Spring Bash with Randy Katner. If you guys are down with that in Milwaukee. He's yep. had a great festival going there for a number of years, and we're headlining on Saturday night. So chances are if we don't have the new album out before we do that, we're probably going to play these three songs that night, though. If you want to hear New Tyrant, be there. Oh, that's going to be if great. We're coming, oh, yeah. If we're coming on last, we'll be able to extend our set a little bit, you know, and maybe do all three. Maybe we'll have even more by then. We should. We've already got them written. It's just recording them. 
Then you're heading to Greece too, I think, aren't you? I'm sorry? Where are you going after? Aren't you doing one of the European festivals yeah. too? No, then, yeah, then after that, a- after that, um, uh, we're going to uh, Athens, Greece. Uh, we're flying over to Europe, and we're playing that in, uh, I believe that one's in May, <laughs> appropriately enough. And uh, we're top of the bill with that. We're playing actually now with someone called Boss the Boss that we really don't know who they are, but it's not going to matter. We're just going to go out there and do our thing and hopefully be able to do a headlining set on our own. Uh, just tear it up, man. We're just loving life. Oh, yeah. We're kind of trying to make up for lost time, you know. Making I get that. Well, what we didn't do back in the 80s. Well, you're doing it now. Ross the Boss is a great guy. Ross was the guitar player for Man of War uh, for, for many, many years in the beginning. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. he's a really I mean, nice uh, guy. You have a yeah, good time. We always heard a lot about them. Always, yeah, he's a good guy. a lot about Man of War. Yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Are they from the East Coast? Yeah, from New York. From New York area. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, yeah, they're coming on right. They're actually headlining now. We were headlining. Now they're headlining, which is fine with us. As long as we get to do, like, a headlining set, you know, maybe like a co-headlining thing, we'll be happy. Hell yeah. Oh, that's and, then, good. and then they'll come on, and that that should be a great show. Like, you got to try to make it. I would love to get over there. That's that's a dream trip to get to Greece. Maybe that is the time to go next May. Oh yeah, I mean Greece. I mean for us too. Once the it had come up, we're like, well, you know, we've been to Germany and stuff around England, but we've never been to Greece. And we're like, well, that just sounds like a sick thing to do. Let's go do yeah. it. You know? That should be good. But, you know, Greg, yeah. I, forgot what I, was gonna, I, I wanted to ask you about something, and I completely forgot what, <laughs> what it was I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> you got to take notes uh, like me once we get Oh, my age. God. <laughs> I know. My, one, of our, one, of our, one of our loyal listeners had actually a question in the chat room. He wanted to know about something about a haunted or an evil house that you recorded some of your songs in. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, um, uh, we're always in those kind of uh, – uh, kind of settings out here in California. Yeah. We're always in those kind of settings where, uh, you know, we, we kind of thrive on that stuff, but you're, you're probably thinking of, uh, of back in the day, back in the day, we used to like rehearse in a haunted house and which is great, which is great for this time of year. Yeah, absolutely. Halloween yeah, to talk about, yeah. but you know, so we got to play the song then that we're talking about. Um, off the first album, and I was hearing, you know, the, you were playing Lizzie Borden, and to me, this stuff kind of sounds like happy music. But this time of year, I always, I don't know, I just, I just kind of like to get dark. Sure, it's Halloween. And, and, uh, it's that time of year. Yeah, because we're gonna have enough of Christmas and Thanksgiving, all the, you know, warm fuzzies coming up. So right now, it's really time, like, to, to kind of delve into the dark. If that's cool. Absolutely. And I'd have to request. I don't know if you have anything queued up. Why don't you play the song Sacrifice so everybody kind of gets a feel for what I'm talking about. But I will play that here after. Was, yeah, that song was uh, written, and uh, the whole shot was done in a haunted house that we were practicing at. And when we originally had recorded it, the whole thing came out uh, like backward mask on backward masking, and Bill Montoya just freaked out. The lights were starting to drop in the studio. We thought someone was, like, playing games with us. You know, we thought someone in the studio was playing games with us, like turning the lights off and stuff, but it wasn't. We, as it turned out, everybody split, and it was just us with Bill Montoya, and even Bill remembers it to this day. So that was that was a freaky night. But this song that I'd requested, 
sacrifice that brought it all down, man. I don't know if it was the negative energy or what it was, but it was just heavy. Um, uh, we'll definitely get that on uh, right after we're done talk. We'll play that song for everybody. Sweet. And we'll, and we'll let Sweet. them hear it. But, you know, as far as yeah. the live shows go, I know you're trying to make up for lost time. It's great getting on the festivals yeah. because, you know, you can reach a big audience, yeah. you know, right away. Yep. But have you thought about maybe trying to get out on the road and doing like some short tours, meet even up down you know, the West Coast, the Midwest for like more than a week or two? Is that, is that possible? Yeah. You know, maybe when the new album comes out and we can work in conjunction with a label if we find a fitting label. <laughs> you know, not just do tyrant yeah. records or something. If we find a fitting label that uh, can actually line something up like that and have it professionally done, um, then yeah, we'd be down to do it. You know, we're probably the point in our lives right now. You know, we all have the day gigs. Yeah. And to be able to get a, to get away from that, you know, um, and go out on the road and play some dates, we should we could probably be able to do it. But it would have to be something you know very professional. You know, that, not like. In the old days, where the guys would have like a U-Haul truck and a gas card and a phone book, you know, I know. <laughs> trying to call people, you know, that was like a Metal Blade's idea of a tour back when we were with Slayer, uh, going around with them in '85. It was like a U-Haul yeah. truck, a gas card, and a phone book, and they said, "Well, call people when you get to each town." We're kind of like, "Wow, this is real professional," but you know, eventually you can hit the right person and you know get onto something better, you know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have a, a lot of people I've spoken that that one Metal Blade in the early days had a lot of complaints about the label and the way they kind of treated, I guess, their acts or their artists. You know, I think back they were they were kind of a small label back then, just getting started. Yeah, they were big in the underground scene. But I mean, did did you expect more from from them or any label when they did sign you as a band? Well, you know, they always say hindsight's twenty twenty, and looking back, it seems so much clearer. Um, bottom line, we've got nothing but respect and thanks for metal blade I, I want to go on record for that yes it wasn't for metal blade we wouldn't be doing these shows now because they were the ones that pulled us in uh, did the albums with us and got our albums out there but um you know as far as actually lining up tours and getting to the next level i mean most bands that that have records especially like ours that are on the you know the top 10 import charts from kerrang magazine should probably try to follow it up with a tour and and it would have been better for them too, you know. They could we would have sold more records. It would have blown up, you know. And for yeah. guys just to try to you know haul around with a U-Haul truck and a gas card and a phone book, and you know hope to get paid somewhere, you know get paid or get some food somewhere. That's a little rough, um, especially if your records are selling. Um, so I you know I think it was just a young label really. I mean the first time we met Brian Slagle and came over to his record company. It was uh, like a, a in his garage at his mom's house. It wasn't until late, you know, that was in '83. Um, he was running it, you know, you know, off Shoop Avenue, off the 405, whatever. It's like, yeah, he didn't even have he didn't have offices. I mean, but then he blew up and started doing well, and I think he started, you know, learning. You know, he started learning at some point, you know, what they needed to do. But we were just all in our 20s and goofing around then, so that would have been really the time to do it, too, because we're like in our early 20s, yeah. you know, with uh, the first record really blowing up in 85. I was 25, and everyone else was younger than me. So that would have been really the time to do it. We had no ties at all to anything, you know. But, uh, you know, if you know, if you put the records out worldwide, it's probably a good idea to try to tour or something like that. I mean, that would it would have been better for everybody, but... That, that's the only yeah. thing I see, hindsight being, you know, what it could have been. But 
like I say, I think they were just kind of starting out too. You hear it from a lot of the other bands that we that we yeah. see around them. Well, that is what you, that is exactly what it is. Like you said, a young band, young label. It's new to everybody. Metal was just like in its you know in the beginning stages back then too. Nobody knew yeah. where it was going to go, what was going to come out of it. You know, so I guess yeah. it was kind of difficult for anybody to put anything together of any real substance back yeah. then. Yeah, it was kind of you know embryonic stages for everybody and. You know, it was great for Slayer to make things happen. They went out there and really pushed, you know, and uh, eventually ran into whoever it was that um, that put them on the map and really got them going. Yeah. You know, maybe it was the guy at Def Jam. Def Jam, I think it was. Before then, they were just starving and cranking out records, but nothing to show for it. But once they finally, you know, played somewhere and the Def Jam guy saw them, then they were able to really get to that next level. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened. Well, you know, Greg, that record and, you know, Too Late to Pray comes out on Metal Blade in, uh, in 87. And then after that, yeah. you, know, we, you know, with no internet to know what was going on, we didn't hear from the band no. for a very long time. It was almost 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, what happened uh, was a little bit of, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, we here we put out two records and there was no internet. There was no anything. I mean, but we were getting like tons of snail mail and uh, there was a friend over here of mine that worked at sort of like an underground music store that also had magazines. And that's why I made reference to the Kerrang! Um, yeah. issue. Um, we were told that, yeah, the records did all right. You know, getting a little airplay here and there. We actually got some pretty decent um, royalty checks, not not from sales, but from our uh, publishing. Publishing, we always retained our publishing. We were smart about that. So, you know, we got some decent checks off, the, for, off both those records from Airplay, which was pretty cool. But, you know, we really never saw anything from sales because they have to recoup all the recording time and all this kind of stuff. But then, you know, we had gotten this call from this guy. He's like, hey, dude, do you know that your record's blowing up? I'm like, well, what are you talking about? He's like, get over here. The new Kerrang! magazine, you guys are in the top 10 import charts right between Heart and Def Leppard. And both wow. those albums were platinum. Yeah. So I got over there and I bought four copies. And, you know, for everybody in the band, I gave it to them. And the initial thing was, all right, beer run, let's celebrate, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then after that, they're kind of like, oh, well, why is this a beer run? Maybe this should have been a champagne run. (laughs) 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 What's going on? Yeah, yeah. What's going on here? So, you know, I mean, we were young. We we were the ones that signed contracts. We didn't, like, cut deals or anything, you know. But all we knew is that the records were doing good. And we didn't really have, you know, much to show for it. That kind of a thing. Um, yeah. When two, when they, when they wanted to do too late to pray, uh, they did sit down and give us an advance on that one because even though we'd heard Legions, you know, wasn't off the charts, you know, a huge money maker, they definitely wanted to do the second one. <laughs> so, oh, all right, cool. The first one did all right, but for sure you want the second. So, yeah. So we cut a deal. We got a bunch of stacks and leather outfits. We put it all back into the band. Got some more BC Rich uh, axes. All the money went back into the band that we've got. And uh, but yeah, after that, you know, the '90s hit actually. That came out in like late '87, early '88. Yeah. And then and we kind of we actually did a lot of like a lot of shows out here um, behind that album, and we did that uh, TV show where they pumped up about five of our songs. They did it. Um, I don't know if you ever saw that, the Pasadena Cable TV show. No, I never saw that one. October as well. Yeah, yeah, it's on YouTube. You guys, I'll have to check, check it, out. it out if you haven't seen it. It's pretty cool. 
It's like five of the songs from Too Late to Pray. So, I mean, before we knew it, we were into 1990, and just the landscape changed. It really changed. At the label, it changed everywhere. Yeah. And here came, uh, you know, Nirvana, I think was like 91, right? Yep. So that when changed you guys everything. Asked, well, yeah, when you guys asked, oh, what happened to Tyrants, you know? Um, well, just sort of everything changed. I mean, our style of music, the black leather, the grinding metal. Uh, the apocalyptic lyrics, you know, Armageddon and Too Late to Pray, Beginning of the End, about the end is coming, um, was changed out for your run-of-the-mill kind of Nirvana stuff. And, uh, you know, the they got rid of the leather and just started wearing the uh, jeans and uh, uh, flannel shirts and all that stuff, and we just didn't yeah. fit anymore. Yeah, know? everything changed. And it killed off a lot of, yeah, it killed off a lot of the hair bands, which was a great thing. <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah. I mean, that was—I don't know. I was, coming from LA and Hollywood area, it just really got old. But um, you know, bands like us and Slayer, we kind of trudged on. You know, heavy bands in LA, uh, we kind of trudged on. Tried to still put on some shows here and there. Um, but as far as the labels, they just weren't biting. We were hoping to transition, kind of like like Slayer had done. Uh, we were kind of hoping to transition to, you know, like a major label or something like that at one point. But then once the 90s came, it's just no one was biting. It was just a whole different genre of music. It's like Pearl Jam, you know. It's true. It was and, hard for uh, everybody. We just didn't fit. Yeah, we didn't yeah. fit anymore. So, yeah, it is what it is. But we were all right. I mean, I got married in 91. Uh, we, You know, we kind of just got our lives together. Rocky got married. My brother got married. Um, bought houses here in Southern California, had some big, you know, athletic kids and just started enjoying our lives with them. Um, and I got to say that, you know, I had been doing the heavy metal thing since, you know, I was like 18 in high school, playing backyard parties, doing covers of Iron Maiden Sabbath, you yeah. know? So it was like a transition part in our lives that, all right, well, you know, if this metal world out there doesn't want me, if they want Pearl Jam, well, that's not me. You know, I'm going to enjoy, you know, my wife and my kid and my family and uh, buy a house to start remodeling it. You know, I was like, we grew up really, you know, sure. we grew up, we went from kids in our twenties to, to, you know, adults, adults in their thirties and bought real estate here. And, you know, <clears throat> it was a transitional life part. So that being said, here we are now. And we know we still have luckily the wives and kids in our own, our homes and stuff. But now we're able to go back and say, you know what, let's take care of some unfinished business. And that's kind of what we're starting to do right now. Go back, play places we haven't played, um, put out a new record. You know, we're a little more comfortable in life that we yeah. still knew that we had some unfinished business, quote unquote. Well, absolutely. But, but I'm glad that you're here today to kind of finish it. Well, I don't want to say finish it because that sounds like it's over, but to continue <laughs> it and keep it going. Uh, we got a and, few more years in it. Yeah. No, I'm glad. That's what I mean. I'm glad, I'm glad for that so much that you can do that. Awesome. Uh, but Greg, awesome. let me ask you, is, is Harry the Tyrant Conklin the band's number one enemy? <laughs> oh, hell no. <laughs> hell no. No, I'll tell you. You know what? Here's funny. Here's funny. Because we thought he was. No, I love it. I love it. I'm so glad you asked me stuff like this. Um, in the beginning, he kind of was because we're going, who's this guy calling himself the tyrant, you know, and <laughs> the tyrant this and tyrant that. We're like, give me a freaking break. The only tyrants are right here, four guys from L.A. Just wait till we meet this guy, you know. 
We're gonna yeah. let Glenn walk up to Glenn walk up to him and look down at him and say, "Here, they're fucking tired." <laughs> I don't mean to say that. But, you know, really, you know, it, that that kind of an attitude. We're from L.A. I mean, come on. So, um, it just so happens that when we were doing Kit in '09, next thing you know, this guy there walks up and it's him. You know, hey, what's up? Yeah. You know, and and then he, and he kind of tells us the story. He's a great guy. He really is a great guy. I have nothing bad to say about him at all. He's a cool guy, and he's a very good singer too. Yeah. Um, and he was and he was totally down with us. He's like, hey, you know, I had the band Tyrant too, and then once you guys were on Metal Massacre three, you know, I changed the name because you guys were already there uh, to Jag Panzer, and he kind of wanted to hold on to this name Tyrant. Um, and you know, no, not at all. No, he's not. You know, yeah. if anything, he perpetuates our name. He's, that's what Rocky was saying. He's like, yeah, hey, man, he's all on people. As soon as they hear the tyrant, they're telling you, listening and thinking about us again. You know, they know he's not. That's right. <laughs> but he, he's a great true. guy. He's really, really cool guy and a great singer. Yeah. Um, but if he if he could roll with us for you know getting out of the car and walking around in the middle of the night in Los Angeles, he'd probably stay in the car. Um, <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I, I don't think he'd be roaming the streets of L.A. like me and Glenn and Rocky and Rob did back in the day, and now Ronnie's doing. Um, yeah. He seems kind of cut from a different cloth, but hey, all the best to him. And uh, no, nothing bad to say about him all. What we don't really like are the bands that still call themselves Time. That's, I mean, we've been established worldwide since '83. True. And every once in a while, some you know, 15 year old kids playing in a garage somewhere. Want to throw up a logo on Facebook and say they're tyrant? You know, give me a freaking break. I mean, if you're really into to heavy metal, then you, you better do your homework. Cause, That's uh, right. We've been around worldwide since '83, and it, it kind of gets tiring to have to shut them down. You know, I, I, it, yeah, it's, I don't, it's, I don't it's tiring. It. It's, it's tiring. Funny, you know, it's tiring. You know, it's, Thirty years ago, there was cool no name. internet, so you you know I, yeah. it could have been like a hundred times you never knew about them because there was a way of finding out. Today with the internet, just type in the name of the band and see what comes up before you do it. You know. I know it's hilarious. It really yeah. is, and if these guys are so clueless. If you're really into heavy metal, then then you should know. You should That's know. Right. I mean, I you know I wouldn't I wouldn't let my twenty year old kid go start a band called, you know, Angel Witch or something. I yeah. mean, give me yeah. a freaking break. You know, if you're clueless, you know, it's like, you're okay, they're not Black Sabbath, I get it, they're not on that level, but they're still there, and they're exactly. established, and, you know, but no, no, that's, that's funny you asked about Harry, and here's the thing, so we end up going that night, I didn't go, I, I went back to the hotel room, but it was at, in Germany, he ends up going with Glenn, and I think Rocky went too, to this guy's house in Germany, and they ended up uh, hanging out and drinking together and all this stuff all night long. And uh, at some point, Harry starts standing up and singing or something because he's good. You know, I, I put him there like kind of like a Dickinson, you know. Yeah. And and then Glenn gets up and we have video of this somewhere. I'm gonna have to dig it up. And then Glenn gets up and just goes, "Rah!" I'm like a freaking lion. <laughs> and they're singing. They're singing together. They're singing together. And the next thing you know, you just don't even hear Harry. All you're hearing yeah. is Glenn. You yeah. Know, just his power. Glenn's power just, you know, he doesn't need a freaking PA. <laughs> That's he's true. He's got freaking, he, he's got the voice from hell. He's got the lungs to back it up. And Absolutely. then he kind of went, mm, yeah, we kind of saw who the real tyrant was. But <laughs> no, it's all good. Yeah. It's I'm all glad, good. man. I'm glad. Cool. 
Hey, well, Greg, no, we only got good. 10 minutes left in the show, man, and I want to get on Sacrifice to play before we go off air, and it's like seven oh, minutes please. long. So we're going to have to wrap please. this little ditty up here today. But uh, you right. know, it's always a great hey, time man. talking with you. Next year when the album comes out or when you're getting ready to head over to the festivals, we'll do this all over again. You got it. Hey, can you keep me on the line? I'm dying to hear the, dying yeah, to hear the gonna, song right now. Hang on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to right. put you on. You, you can stand one until it's over. Hey, hang on. You're going to – hey. Um, are we going to yeah. see you uh, roll in to uh, uh, Michigan next year? I would love to. With I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'm going to try. But I, yeah. I can't promise you. But I will try to make that or, happen. Or Greece? What about Greece? I'd rather go to Greece than Michigan. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> I'd rather go to Greece than Detroit. Hey, love you, man. Thanks so much for, uh, for, for giving me the dial-up and all the best to you in the holidays and everything's all good. You too, Greg. Hang on, buddy. I'm going to play for you right now. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. All right. You got it. All right. Let's get on Sacrifice from Tyrant.
Man, it doesn't get any better than that, does it? Tyrant with Sacrifice. I want to thank our guest tonight, Greg May from the one and only Tyrant. It was great talking with him again. And Troy North from them. Don't forget, tune in next week. It's already November next week. I cannot believe it. Right? The year is almost over. Chuck Billy of Testament is our guest next week live. And Ed Miskey from Spiritual Sickness. So don't forget to tune in. We're going to wrap it up here tonight with some brand new Tigers of Pantang. Here's only the brave. Take care, everybody. I will see you next week.
When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like breakup R&B intense. I thought you said you love the sweater that I got you. If you didn't, you could have told me. Geico makes it easy. Just go to Geico.com anytime to update or check your policy without all the extra drama. I even had a gift receipt. Run to Old Navy right now to get 30 to 50% off all jeans and all sweaters for everyone in the family. Pair your favorite jeans with any of Old Navy's stylish sweaters and get 30 to 50% off from top to bottom. Every pair of jeans is on sale, including Old Navy Rockstar jeans, and so are the season's best sweaters. All jeans and all sweaters are 30 to 50% off now at Old Navy or OldNavy.com. But you better hurry. This deal won't last. Run to Old Navy. Valid 11-2 to 11-8. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.